Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. Today, uh, two readings uh, before Phil comes uh, to speak on the parable of the prodigal son. That We're going to start with just one verse from the book of Zephaniah and then turning to Luke chapter 19 uh, after that. So... Our first reading is from Zephaniah, chapter 3 and verse 17. Zephaniah 3. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. If you turn with me into the New Testament, the second part of our scriptures, and turn with me to Luke chapter 19 and verse 2 through to 9. And we hear, hear the words of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus. Luke 19, verse 2 to 9. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner? Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and I have taken, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. This is the word of the Lord. Hi, everybody. It's me again. Um, I really enjoyed uh, bringing the word last week about the Good Samaritan um, and, uh, and Jacko, who'd been crook, asked me if I would um, speak again this week and uh, as I was thinking about all the different things I could, I could speak on and, and Jacko just suggested, well, how about another parable? Great, great idea. So we're going to go and have a look at Luke chapter 15. Um, who here has heard the parable of the prodigal son? 
almost everybody. Well, I'm not going to preach about that. Yeah, no, we are. Um, let's hear the words of our God. So we can get up on the screen. I'm going to read through. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to Jesus, to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he, Jesus, spoke this parable to them. Now, we're about to read about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. But it's just one parable. Um, Jesus said, this parable. He didn't say these parables, he said this parable. So as I read through, keep in mind, this is just one thing. Three little stories that make up one bigger parable. Does that make sense? Kind of makes, it'll make more sense of the prodigal son story if we kind of understand this is actually just one story. So, he spoke this parable to them saying, what man of you, so he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I've found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. That's the first part. Now the second part. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls her friends and neighbours together, saying, Rejoice with me, I've found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, the third part. Then Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to, to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he'd spent all there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. No one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? I'll arise, I'll go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm not, no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me with, like one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. 
And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry. Now, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he's received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out, pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Look, these many years I've been serving you, I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might marry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came and has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. The father said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad because your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. It's always good to have a look at the context of, uh, of any passage that we're reading. Um, the Bible makes a lot more sense if you read it in its context. Um, there's a guy I like listening to. His name's uh, Greg Kokel. He has a, an apologetics radio show. And one of the things he says is, never read a Bible verse. Never read a Bible verse. Always read a Bible verse in its context to find out what's going on. Because you can make lots of mistakes if you don't do that. So let's have a look at some of the context. So Jesus has been make, is making his way towards Jerusalem. He's been ministering and preaching and teaching for three odd years. And now the final stage is there and he's making his way towards Jerusalem. He's working his way towards the cross. And as he's going, he stops along the way and he talks and he teaches as he goes. He pro- proclaims the gospel and multitudes of people begin following him. Massive crowds start following him towards Jerusalem. Some are eager to hear what he has to say and some just want to trip him up and shut him up and shut him down. Now, what we've been looking at is chapter 15 of Luke's Gospel. The last verse of chapter 14, so the bit just before this bit, Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, chapter 15. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Here they are, tax collectors and sinners. They drew near to him to hear him. They've got ears to hear, so they they draw near. They want to hear more. And one of the things I love about church is I think most of us come here because they want to hear God. We want to draw near. We want to, be, we want to be amongst God's people, but we want to draw near to God. We want to hear from him. So that's my prayer for this morning, that we're all drawing near to hear. What have you got to say to us, Lord? 
Tax collectors and sinners were the ones. And these were the lowest of the low in that society. The tax collectors were seen as scum. They were Jews, but they were traitors. These guys had sold out to the Roman occupiers and they contracted themselves out to collect tax for the Romans. They weren't nice civil servants like we have today that work at the ATO, the tax office. These are guys that had hired themselves out to collect money, to make money for themselves, to give to the occupying forces. And they'd had, they had thugs working for them to squeeze out as much as they could from their brothers and sisters. And then they'd pass on to the Romans just enough that they had to to keep the Romans happy and they'd keep for themselves everything else. So they're basically ripping off their family. Zacchaeus, the guy that we read about earlier, was one of those guys. It was basically organised crime. They were hated and they were scum. And they were right up there with the others in the low life of society, right up there with what the Pharisees and the scribes called sinners. Um, criminals, thieves, prostitutes, you name it, all the low, what they considered to be the low life. They were the ones coming to Jesus. So let's go back to the Bible, verse 2. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So these guys, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were the religious leaders. They were the ones who taught the right way to be religious. They were the holy ones, they were the pure ones, not like them. If you want to be in God's good books, then listen to the, the scribes and the Pharisees. Do what they do and do what they say. They have self-righteousness all worked out perfectly. This Jesus, what the heck is he doing hanging around the scum? They're not anywhere near the kingdom of God. We are. They're not. They're dirty, filthy scum. And he's obviously one of them. Evil. He's probably got a demon. He's not a saviour. God doesn't want people like that. He doesn't want tax collectors and sinners. He only accepts people like us. Thinks the Pharisee. God accepts righteous people, holy people, like us, scribes and Pharisees. Which is amazing, because these guys have been listening to Jesus, but they completely missed the message. Completely missed the message. The, the, the main thing that they missed was that God calls sinners. So, Jesus' reaction to that... He spoke this parable to them. So one parable told in three ways. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. So verse 3. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? You're going to do that, aren't you? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders 
rejoicing. And when he comes home, he, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I've found my sheep which is lost. I say to you that likewise, just like this, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. It's only one out of 100 sheep. But it's so valuable. It's so precious. The shepherd goes out of his way to find it. And when he finds it, he is so happy. He picks it up and carries it home. He doesn't scream at it. He doesn't beat it. He doesn't drag it back to the fold. He picks it up and he carries it on his shoulders. And when he gets back, he's so full of joy, he's so happy that he gets his neighbours together and has a party. Um, When something great happens in your life, you want to tell everyone, don't you? Anyone here married or engaged? Yeah? And when she or he said yes, when you proposed, what did you do? What was one of the first things you did? You rang everybody. You told, yeah? you told everybody, you organised, and then you had a party. Because that's what we do. When we, we, something amazing happens in our lives, we're really happy about something, we just get to tell everybody. You have a baby, fantastic. You just tell everybody. You put it on Facebook, you put it on Instagram, you just do everything. You just tell everybody. You want to share the joy. Well, I say to you, Jesus says, likewise, there'll be more joy, more joy, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So when a lost sinner comes in in repentance and faith, God doesn't rebuke them or scream at them. Why didn't you come earlier? He's full of joy. And he's so full, he's just got to share it with heaven. So full of joy over one sinner who repents. God's not like you guys, Pharisees and scribes. He's delighted. He's thrilled when a lost soul comes home. Don't quite get it yet. Here's another story. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, not a hundred, ten, if she loses one coin, so ten percent, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she's found it, just like the shepherd, she calls her friends and neighbours together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I've found the peace which I lost. Likewise, just like that, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels, the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One out of a hundred sheep, one out of ten coins. I could do everything I can to find that coin. It's one-tenth of everything I've got. That's a lot. Found it. Your beauty. So happy. Everyone, everyone, the coin I lost. I found it. Friends, neighbours, come over, come on, come on. We're having a party. Jesus says, likewise, I say to you, just like that, there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. Joy in the presence of the angels. It's not the joy of the angels. It's joy in the presence of the angels. So who's the one having the joy? 
it's God. It's his joy in the presence of the angels. He is so full of joy over one sinner who repents. He gathers his friends and his neighbours. God gathers his friends and his neighbours. Who are his friends and his neighbours? The angels. Angels, get over here. Did you see this? One of the lost ones, a sinner, has come to repentance. Yes. He's so full, he's just got to share the joy. God's not like you guys, Pharisees and, and scribes. He's delighted, he's thrilled when a lost soul is found. One, one in a hundred's lost and found, let's have a party. One in ten is lost and it's found, let's have a party. Now, one in two. So verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Father, give me my inheritance. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to wait until you're dead, but I don't want to wait until you're dead. As far as I'm, I'm concerned, you are. Just give me my money. It's outrageous. Um, what a dog. The Pharisees would be thinking, what a wretchful, wretched, dishonorable pig of a son. How, how dare he do that? That is just so against Jewish culture. You don't, it's against our culture. Imagine if one of my kids, Sarah, she's the only one that's sitting here. Sarah comes up and says, Dad, um, there's five of us, I want my fifth now. No. Don't ask again. We'll talk about it when we get home. How dare he do that? And they'd be thinking, Dad, you need to beat some sense into this kid. This kid has dishonoured you, he's disgraced you. It's disgusting. You need to beat some sense into him. But what happens next in the story would have made the Pharisee's head explode. What did the father do? So he divided to them his livelihood. He gives the kid the inheritance? Are you kidding me? He actually gave the kid the inheritance. What's wrong with this father? How, how dare he do that? That's, that's as bad as the boy. You don't indulge the kid. You slap him around. Verse 13. And not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together, joined to, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The youngest son gets what he wants. He doesn't even hang around with the family. He runs as far as he can to a far country. He doesn't want anyone else. He doesn't want to have anything to do with anyone. Not the family, not the farm, not the other brother, not dad, not the village, no one. Just runs away, takes his money and goes. And there he just... 
up against the wall. Um, the word prodigal means wasteful. Just throws it away. He doesn't use the money to start a business. He doesn't use the money to buy a house or buy a farm or anything useful. He just wastes it. He spends it on all the things that the Pharisees would have turned their nose up at. He spends it on prostitutes and, and whatever sort of, I don't, I don't know if what, sort of, if they, what sort of drugs, if they had drugs back then, but whatever it was, it was all wasteful, um, wasteful living. None of it that he spent it on was, was good and lasting. So the Pharisees and the scribes were already thinking to themselves, this kid is the worst. But now he doesn't even use the money properly. He wastes it. This kid is unbelievable. Kind of like that tax collector and those sinners out there. This kid's the worst. But when he'd spent all, so verse 14, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land. And he began to be in want. Had everything and now nothing. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Feed the swine. So Jesus is painting an amazing picture here. The Jews, to the Jews, pigs are an unclean animal. You don't have anything to do with pigs. Jesus never ate bacon because they were pigs. And they were the worst. Um, if, if anyone was a pig herder, they were, they were absolutely outcast from society. So this is the lowest the guy could get. Feeding pigs. Verse 16. And he would, have gl- he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Pharisees are thinking to themselves, good. He got what he deserves. He's starving to death. He's amongst the pigs, exactly where you belong. Scum. Excellent. Now you're telling something, Jesus. Verse 17. Jesus goes on. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants... Have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I know. I'll arise, go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against you, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The Pharisees are listening. Yeah, the father's not going to help. Look what he did with the inheritance. Father's not going to take that that on. Father's got another chance here to slap the boy around. This is no way is this going to work out well for this boy. He's going to come back, and he's just going to be thrown out again. Verse twenty. And when he rose, he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. 
and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. While he was still a great way off, his father saw him. His father was out looking for him. He was so grieved that his son had gone away. He must have been hoping and longing for this son to come back. So he sees him. His heart bursts. And he runs. Um, Where's Tom? Where are you, Tom? Love that song that you picked, The Running of God. God runs. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He sees him and he runs and he races towards his son and falls on his neck and kisses him. He doesn't just grab him, grab him gently and give him a kiss. He, th- he throws himself at this boy. It's not very graceful. He races towards his son and falls on his neck and kisses him. He drowns him, he grabs hold and he kisses him and he kisses him and he kisses him and he kisses him and he kisses him. He drowns him in kisses. And he doesn't wait for the son to say anything. The father knows what's going on. Son, you're back. Come here. So I guess the son kind of starts kind of whopping all the slobber off his face and his neck. And the son says to him, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You notice there, the son doesn't actually ask for anything. He's rehearsed, remember he was rehearsing his speech, and he said that stuff, but then he went on and he said, make me like one of your servants. He doesn't, he doesn't do that here. He doesn't ask for anything. And I think what's happening He's going to, but he sees the father's reaction, which breaks his heart even more. He only gets as far as the repentance part. He doesn't get to ask for anything. I've sinned. I've sinned. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Anyway, the father breaks in. So I don't know whether he was planning on saying it. I don't think he was, but it, he might have been planning on saying it. It doesn't matter because the father breaks in anyway. Before he gets a chance to say anything else, the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Put you up on my shoulders. The best robe. Get my best suit. Get get out of the car. Get my best suit. Get the tux out. Put it on the kid. What else have I got? What else can I give him? Some sandals. Get some sandals for him. He he doesn't need his shoes. Put Put some sandals on his feet. What else have I got? My ring. My seal of authority. Put on his finger. He's not, this, he's not just a servant. He's my son. Restoring him completely. He's my boy. Now, party time. I've got to tell everybody. My boy, my boy was lost and I found him. I found him. I'm so happy. We've got to have a party. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry. He was dead. He's alive. Um, 
I can't imagine the grief of losing a child. Um, my brother died a couple of years ago. Uh, it was, for me, it was, it was, it was really awful. Um, but my parents, wow. It was so hard for them. This was the grief of that father. My son was dead. But he's alive. Wow. We've got to celebrate. We've got to celebrate. We've got to. The fact, what, what, how much food can, how many people can we invite? How much food can we get together quickly? Um, the fatted calf. Let's get the, fat, the, the calf that we've been preparing. Let's get that. Now, a fatted calf, we've done, I've done lots of um, lamb spits and goats and deer and all sorts of stuff over the years. Um, you'd need about three lambs, a goat and a deer to make up for a fatted calf. You're talking two to three hundred people. So it's a, a really big party. No mucking around. Now, the older son was in the field. He was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. What's, what's going on? And he said to him, Your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. He wouldn't go in. Where was the older brother the whole time? Um, He didn't even know about the party. How far away from the house would you have to be to not know that there's this whopping big party going on? When we'd have our, uh, our big lamb spit things, um, our biggest one we had, we had 220 people in our backyard. It was a big backyard. It was just massive amount of cars everywhere. All the streets were just... Would have been, the whole farm would have been packed up with carts and horses and everyone coming to the party and the smell of the thing. How did the son not know about this? And why hadn't he been out with the father watching for his brother? What's going on? Why wasn't he out looking for, the, looking for his brother? Well, I think in this story, the older brother is the scribe and he's the Pharisee. Why would you go looking for the scum? And why would you want to be with the father who let it all happen in the first place? Father's received him back into the house. Are you kidding? Dad's killed the fatted calf. No, 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 no. How dare he do that? And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him Come in. Please. Come in, don't be out here. Don't be out here by yourself. Come join us. So he answered and said to his father, Look, these many years I've been serving you. Hang on, hang on. You're my son. First of all, 
you're not just a servant, you're my son. You've been serving me? I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat, a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, as soon as he's come, this one who's devoured your whole livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Boy, has this guy missed the point. Father, I've served you. I have kept all of your rules and your commandments. I've been a good, righteous, clean, pure servant. Why haven't you rewarded me? He's missed the point. He hasn't realised the most important thing. He's a son. He wasn't meant to be an obedient, rule-loving, good, pure servant. First of all, he's meant to be a son. And a good son does what his father tells him to do. I've got a couple of good sons and a couple of good daughters. Th- sorry, three good daughters. Um, so that was for you, Sarah. You missed it. Kids are first of all meant to be your kids. They're meant to be your, your sons and your daughters. And and they need to see themselves as your sons and your daughters, not, first of all, as a servant that has to obey you. And this, this older brother, that's how he saw himself. He didn't see himself as a son. He saw himself as an obedient, rule-keeping servant. And if I do everything right, my father will reward me. Well, obviously not. And the father said to him, son, he didn't say servant, he said, son, you're always with me. And all I have is yours. It was right that we, should be, that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead. He's alive. He was lost and he's found. Can't you see, son? My heart is just, oh, just bursting with joy. Because one of you was lost, was dead. My, my sons are so valuable. Both of you are so precious. More than lost sheep, more than lost coins, one of my very own children was lost, and we found him. One of my precious children was dead. He's alive. I'm just, I've got to celebrate. I had to shout with joy. The story ends. Tell us what happens after that. Jesus, Jesus does that. He, he kind of he stops stories short and just lets you work it out. I reckon there are two ways this could have gone. The scribes and the Pharisees, if they had ears to hear, could have had their hearts warmed by the story. I'm loving the fact that some of some of the people here are smiling and. I think they can feel the warmth of the Father as, as, we, as we're reading this. It's great. The Pharisees and the scribes could have had their hearts warmed. Tears could have whirled up in their eyes as they saw the love of the Father. They could have seen the wretchedness of their own cold hearts. They could have looked at those tax collectors and sinners and how Jesus had welcomed them. 
They could have seen their own wretchedness in the eyes of those guys. They could have seen their own callous indifference and their hatred. They could have fallen to their knees in, in repentance. That could have happened. I think that was the idea. That's what Jesus was calling them for, to do. But we know how it goes from there. It's not that. The Father's love for sinners continues to be completely lost on them. So they plot and they scheme and they take Jesus, this one who takes the side of the filthy sinner scum, and they take him and they beat him and they nail him to a cross. They don't just ignore him, they turn on him. They turn on the one that ran out to save them. They kill the one who came to lay down his life, to give them life. So what's our reaction to all of this? Oh, thank God I'm not like that wretched younger brother. Thank God I'm not like that self-righteous older brother. Thank God I'm not like those Pharisees and scribes. Or, thank God for a saviour that came into this world to seek and save me. Thank God for a father that looks at me with compassion. Thank God for a father that will look for me and that will call for me. And when I turn to him, a father that will run out to hug me and kiss me and welcome me back. That's a good response. So let's pray. Lord, all of us are that, are that son. We're not all at that same level of wretchedness. We're not physically at that level of wretchedness. But Lord, at one point, we're all apart from you. And Lord, often we're all like those Pharisees and the scribes as well. And we miss the point of being sons and daughters. I know I, at different times, Lord, I'm, I'm like those scribes and Pharisees, completely missing the point. So Lord, if we're lost, come look for us. If we're blind, Lord, open our eyes. And if we're deaf, give us ears to hear. And Lord, if we're dead, breathe life. Help us to see the amazing, glorious love of the Father. 
And Lord, help us to see our Father dancing in delight as we come back to him. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And turn our hearts to you, Lord, because you love us so much. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.